Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. My friend Sapphire and I talk about gender and accessibility during COVID-19. We touch on their gender advocacy at their child school, accessibility for immunocompromised people during a pandemic, and we briefly touch on a new law in Alabama that's changed recently. The term transmask is a shortening of transmasculine, which usually refers to the masculine appearing trans non-binary people, but also includes trans men. I originally was going to say, but also includes men, um, as I typically think of trans men as men and trans women as women, but realize that since trans is in the term trans mask, it technically only does apply to trans men. Okay, there that's somewhat straight. I think that's the wrong word to use. Not necessarily straight. Some trans folks are straight, but others prefer to give traffic directions by saying go gaily forward, so not necessarily straight. Anyways, I'm clearly rambling. Let's go to the episode now with Sapphire. It is now a felony to provide gender-affirming care, whether that's surgery or hormones, to anybody of the under the age of 19 in Alabama. Wow. We right? should do an episode and talk about this. We should do an episode and talk about this, because now I'm riled up, too. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about... <laughs> so we're talking about gender stuff. Go. Go. So, uh... Both you and I are, are gender non-conforming non people. Yeah. I am a trans-masculine, non-binary they. That's relatively new. <laughs> the trans-masculine stuff. I was just going to say, I didn't know you were trans-masculine. Good for you. you. I'm actually considering going on tea. Amazing. Low, low, do low dose. It's in the works. Well, um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one of the things I'm a little self-conscious about, and the one thing that I feel like I get misgendered on the most about is the fact that my voice is still somewhat feminine. Right. Um, so I'd like to be a slightly, slightly deeper, a little bit more neutral. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's another that's tangentially to this is that I, I recently saw on TikTok and on social media that Alabama passed a law that says that. You, as a doctor in Alabama, you cannot provide any gender-affirming care, whether that's options for surgery or hormone replacement therapy or anything like this, to anybody under the age of 19. It is now a felony in Alabama to do this. It, they also, in the same law, also said that teachers can out- their students to their parents if they have any concerns about the children the students that they are teaching oh, under geez. the age of 19 if they do not if they think that the child is showing or presenting any kind of gender non-conforming that does not align with their assigned birth sex oh that's that's pretty brutal it really is <laughs> I'm like it just makes me want to go down to Alabama <laughs> 
and smack a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. That's being nice. <laughs> yep. And so many people I've seen on TikTok says this is going to make the you know teen suicide and you know queer yeah. youth and trans youth suicide rates skyrocket in Alabama. Yep. It and sure will. Because because when you tell somebody whether they are at any age, but particularly when they're young, that they are not that they are not a person, they are not valued and cannot seek care for what they believe that they are them what they are, that will be that is a recipe for disaster that will drive and has driven so many people into depression and into suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean and 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 there's people out there advocating said like if you live in Alabama and you have kids that are trans or questioning or whatever, get the hell out of Alabama. Yeah, that's that's scary. And and it's do you want and some it, happy news? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so when I was in a piercing parlor recently, because I was accompanying someone who was getting pierced, um, I saw a trans masculine individual wearing a mask with, that had the trans flag on it. And I was like, wait, does that... So so he's literally a trans mask, like mask. wearing a trans mask. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. And the mask on his face was a trans mask, trans mask. I was I like, I, I just love everything about this idea. Like, that's hilarious. Anyways, so happy news. Yes. But, you know, and, and this is... This is something about the states that has been bothering me for a number of years. I mean, it, there have been changes since the administration changed. Like, um, sure. Biden has reversed a bunch of stuff that Trump put into... Sure. Uh, the works when he was in in office specifically around trans um health care and stuff and biden has is and has reversed a lot of it thank goodness but there's still again like states could do pretty much almost anything they want within their own states that's true um, yeah there's a lot more i think autonomy um when it comes to that sort of stuff whereas like in canada we have the um we have the human rights tribunal here, which you can just like call and be like, Hey, this is my situation. What do you think? And you can get access to pro bono legal counsel. Like it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like a few years ago, and I think this might've been before Trump got in, but I, I am not a hundred percent sure when the whole bathroom bill stuff was happening. Right. Right. I remember that. Which is something that is like, makes me angry (laughs) well i don't think people who aren't like i don't think people get it like i don't think they understand that if you can't use a washroom Mm -hmm. it hugely limits what you can do in society well yeah like and and you can't easily you can't easily hold a job you can't easily right like you can't work full time so you end up sitting on benefits of one kind or another if you can get them um and if you can't you just end up in sex work which is so common in the trans community oh yeah yeah, so it, it is, and this whole thing is, well, we need to protect our women from being assaulted in bathrooms by men. I'm using yeah, it's here. Men so dressing up as women and sneaking into the bathrooms to assault the women. Look, it's look, like literally look, never look happened. here. Excuse me for one thing. There's, there's two things I have a problem with this. <laughs> one, trans women are women. <laughs> Yes. And they are not men dressing up or pretending to be women. They are freaking women. Yes. 
too. <laughs> trans women and trans people are more likely to be assaulted in a public bathroom than any other person. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. So uh, there's two problems with that. Is one is the mentality of the transphobia behind of like trans women are just men pretending to be women to assault yeah. other women. That is straight up transphobia. It also just seems like there are easier ways. Cis men have been assaulting women since time immemorial and mostly getting away with it unscathed. So yeah, why much. would why would a cis man go to the trouble of dressing up in a dress and sneaking into like it just doesn't make sense. There's just I mean, as gross and horrible as it is, there are a million better ways to criminally damage someone psychologically um, for your own Hell, perverse you, amusement. You, you can walk down the street as a female presenting person and you're probably more likely to get assaulted, sexually assaulted on the street than you would be likely in a bathroom. With, with a trans person, yeah. I mean, unless it were, unless, lit but even if a cis man literally dressed up in a dress, like it just isn't, he doesn't need to do that. Like no. he could just go in. Yeah. 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 It's and just it the is, strangest thing. And it's like, at this whole like, oh, we need to protect our women is like, since when? <laughs> right, exactly. When have we ever done that? <laughs> as somebody who identified for a woman, for a woman is for a number of years. Yeah. I, excuse me. I, I have a hard time believing that. You keep trying, trying to mandate my, my reproductive system. Not so much in Canada, but definitely in the States. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the last the last leader of the Conservative Party here didn't believe in a, in a woman's right to choose. I know. So I it's know. like, we have it here, too. It's just they never got into power here. No. 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 They're... they're I am... I'm glad that the... You know... Yes, Biden has his issues. <laughs> He's still yeah. a white man. <laughs> Yeah, he still has He's sexual assault, <laughs> like allegations from his past. So I'm like, so basically, you get to pick which, you know, alleged sexual assailant who is old and white is going to run things. But I, I don't like shitting on other people's politics because I mean, no, no. it's like but... I, I know how shitty politics is when your country doesn't have good leadership, and like yes. Canada has definitely been in that position. I think, although I'm sure oh, conservatives oh God, would say, yes, I, I, Stephen Harper. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking too. I was like, Kachan did make Canada, you know, supposedly the best country to live in in the world for like eight years in a row. But mm -hmm. I mean, that was the liberals and that was during, you know, like the eighties when we were in an economic boom, like everyone else was, but still. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now that we're sort of, you know, we have a lot less, uh, you know what? I shouldn't really comment because I don't really know what our income has been over time as a nation, but, uh, I mean, I guess we did have a lot less money in the sense that we went through that housing recession as well. Yeah. But we were I actually mean, surprisingly resilient. Our banking system got international accolades for that. Yes. We like over overall, I mean, in, in the general, very general, like general overview of, of Canada economics. And not only did we um, in 2008 buffer the, the housing crisis and everything back then a little bit better than the States, but we were also being okay through the pandemic. There are definitely things that, that could be improved around that too. And mm -hmm. that is something that we could possibly talk about too. Because, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, there are, like I try and stay on top of things because I think 
you know, being a self-critical, self-aware person in the world is that you need to be aware of what's going on. You can't just stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening because mm-hmm. when, you know, a world leader like the U.S. makes a a law or a rule or, you know, a policy on, on something that could potentially affect my way of living and my personal existence i I take note of that (laughs) and the Mm -hmm. same thing goes with 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 like my kids and my partner and you know you know my kids i have one trans one gender norm non-conforming and they are both persons of colors (laughs) they're both half half filipino i'm like i love you you are never going to the states Yeah, but maybe if things improve a little bit better. But I do like I would love to be able to go and visit the states and stuff. And I would love to take the kids there too because I think there's some great things about it. Like I, would, I want so badly to go back to New York City to visit the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art because mm-hmm. I've been there and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I want to go back. <laughs> And I, I'd love to go down to Portland because, you know, we have, you know, friends in Portland. Uh, Scott has family in uh, Seattle. Yeah, I, mean, I have friends all over the States. They're, they're fantastic people all over. It's it's more just a question of, like, some of the governmental choices and some of the elections just leave you scratching your head. And then you realize you only know half of the United States. Yeah. Like, you don't make friends with the other half. And then they do the whole house divided against itself thing. And they seem content with it and or or equally upset about it and i'm like okay cool you do you i'll just be up here in vancouver the one non-frozen part of canada <laughs> well victoria is pretty non-frozen too. that's true <laughs> there, well there's, there's a fair amount of canada that isn't frozen most of the year but even in winter vancouver's like i i get friends from the states being like we got this much snowfall and i'm like yeah it hasn't frozen here yet <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like Seattle in that regard. That whole the whole Pacific Northwest. If you're on the coast, like the temperate, the climate's really temperate. It's nice. Yeah. Yep, we live in a temperate rainforest. It's right there in the wordage. I, I feel like we literally are like one giant plug for Canada. Like the last three episodes, we just bitched about how amazing our benefits are and how they aren't better. But like as soon as we started talking about like economies and like job markets and the United States, I was just like, oh goodness, like I'm so glad I'm not. You know, non-binary living in the States right now. I'm so glad I'm not my POC self living in the States right now. I'm so glad I'm not poor and living in the States right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I mentioned this before when we chatted is that Scott's mom lives in Seattle and she has MS. And the only reason she's doing okay is the fact she's still able to work and that her company and she's been working with for like a while. I'm not sure how long. I think a decade at least. Um, Mm -hmm. She has good benefits through her company and is able to get her you know all her the majority of her medical care looked after by her company and but she suddenly couldn't work anymore or or when she possibly retires because she's you know in her 60s i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) not sure exactly how old she is i know she's about the same age as my mom maybe a little older um uh you know she's probably going to want to retire eventually (laughs) yeah yeah, it, it's um yeah, retirement is a whole other concept. We could definitely spend a whole episode talking about retirement and budgets and things like that mm-hmm. and um we could but, talk about 
different kind of financial instruments and like advantages yeah. of having money and how expensive it is to be poor. Like we could do, oh God, we could do a lot of, we do so a lot of content expensive. on that, but yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've um, been pretty, <laughs> I've been poor pretty much most of my adult life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't pay to be a parent in a sense, except for the fact that you end up with amazing kids, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> my kids are pretty amazing. They occasionally Aww. drive me up the wall, but they are also, you know, that's kind of part of <laughs> have kids. Yeah. Well, that's just, I was going to say, that's, I think every parent is like, I love my kids and I could murder them sometimes. Well, yeah, my, my, both my kids, all my kids actually are neurodivergent of some sort. Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, I'm Amber, uh, Ashton, and Gray are all 88, ADHD. It's all one big umbrella now. Yeah, ADHD is definitely um, runs in families, and I have ADHD. I think my mom has it. Um, like, I have a formal diagnosis. She never got diagnosed because um, she did. grew up. Oh, fantastic. I am now officially ADHD, too. Katie. Which which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Apple like, did not fall far from that tree. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's funny. People with ADHD in like hunter gatherer societies apparently are just like much better. They end up gathering more food, like collecting more food, eating more food, walking more. Um, they just like, they're just we're, there are certain situations and certain um, circumstances where ADHD people just really excel, and mm. there's other situations like our highly distracted world that we don't necessarily excel in. What day is it again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to share a happy story about gender. Sure. So I can't share my, the company that I work for um, or any information about that. What I will mm -hmm. share is that I put forward an idea to do a talk on gender to talk about um, sex and gender identity and gender expression. So talk mm -hmm. about like, anat anatomical sex. And like we did mm -hmm. a discussion about intersex folks and like chromosomes and mm -hmm why that's not a great criterion and exceptions. Nope. Then we talked about hormones, why that's not a good criterion and exceptions. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about numbers of folks based on all the criteria. We went into gender stuff. It was really good. We did. It was a good talk. So originally I was like, I would like to do this as a like 50 minute workshop. And mm -hmm. I would like it to be voluntary as people who are interested could choose to come. Mm -hmm. And basically HR was like, what we want to do is sandwich you onto a, you know, mandatory um, part of the part of the talk that everyone has to come to every month, which is like a, mm -hmm. a team team kind of meeting for the whole company. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay. And they're like, but we only want you to do four, 15 minutes. And I was like, okay. And then I got close to presenting. They're like, JK, we actually want to make it 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so hard. So I managed to get all that content into 10 or 15 minutes. Impressive. And when I finished, thank you. I mean, I didn't say I got detailed versions of that content <laughs> to that time but i ended up taking about 15 minutes um because i talked with one of the hr people who was like if you go a few minutes over no one's gonna like you know buzz you or like stop your presentation you should just you should just say what you want to say and i was like okay mm -hmm. um and they vetted my talk before i gave it and then when i gave my talk i got like four business instant messenger you know messages immediately one person being like I, i'm in tears but happy tears like i'm i've been so scared to come out at work and like I just really like it just really means a lot that the company's trying and that they have you here and like I'm super scared about putting my pronouns on my you know getting emails but like being super scared about putting your pronouns in your in your email um and I was like well why don't we all do it at the same time like let's do it right now and then 
you know, if anyone has an issue with it, you can just point at me. <laughs> and so, like, people actually started putting, some people anyways, um, started putting their pronouns on their email footers, like, on their signatures. Yep. And I'm like, wow, like, I can't believe this actually did anything. But, like, people were asking about a longer version because they had questions. And I was like, yeah, I really like hosting, like, a no stupid questions kind of, like, workshop, yep. you know, for folks to come in. Because some of the people that, you know, I work with are, like, 50 years old and they're like... I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I will say that, you know, since I started questioning and, and sort of thinking about my gender uh, six or seven-ish years ago, I have learned so much about it. And there's still lots more to learn. And my gender identity has evolved over that time. Mm-hmm. And it is a fascinating subject. And if I had known and was aware of non-binary being an option when I was a teenager, <sighs> I, yeah. I'm so, so much better. And, you know, like, and I look, I look at my kids, you know, I look at Ash and Gray and, you know, a significant portion of their friends are, are, you know, gender non-conforming of some variant. And then mm. it is, and it is that, oh, my God, I don't know what, generation they are they're not gen z Uh, so it depends on it depends on what what um you want to use for them right because every generation likes to name all the other generations after themselves so boomers would boomers would call them zoomers millennials would call them post-millennials gen x would call them gen z yeah gen z whatever um yeah i i think someone someone suggested digital natives but I don't, I don't love that one either. Yeah, I I usually think of them as like this is Gen Z uh, because I'm Gen X. Yep, that's, to- <laughs> that's totally. I'm fair. somewhere between Gen X and Millennial. I'm right on that border, mm-hmm. and I live with a Millennial. Yep. So, um. But yeah, but I look at the the that you know the, the, anybody under the age of twenty ish, <laughs> and the, the the you know proportionally there's they are breaking the gender norms and it makes me so happy. The kids are all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like in terms of like human rights and just like having like a future where people can get married no matter who they are, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I feel like, yeah, the kids do have pretty good values. I think, I think a lot of parents have done a really good job in instilling those values in their kids. And now we have kids that think diversity and inclusion is just like the norm. Yeah. And that, 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 that makes me really happy. Cause like, I, I, I think about when I was in high school, which is, it is coming up, not that terrible three more years is my 30th anniversary of graduating high school. Mm -hmm. Weird to think about. (laughs) Um, So approximately 30 years ago, I was just starting high school and, you know, like there was, you know, nobody gay in my high school. Right. Supposedly nobody out. Not, not anybody openly out for sure. I'm sure there were gay kids, but you sure have to, you didn't know about it. Nobody, nobody really. There was a few people who came out shortly after high school, 
Right. Um, that, you know, they're, there, I don't think there was like a you know gender diversity club or or um... yeah I know they're definitely like I got called a fag all through high school I got beaten up for it like people hated everything flamboyant about me and I was just like none of that mask stuff like makes sense to me yeah well you're I think you're younger than me yeah I'm, I'm turning thirty five in September yeah I was just like I think you're the same age as Scott if I remember correctly because yeah. he's turning thirty five in August <laughs> oh that's crazy we are really close Close age twinsies yeah yeah so yeah and i mean even like scott because he's the same age as you um was like didn't i think maybe towards the end of high school and definitely at the beginning of like university and stuff knew people who were openly gay or lesbian and and stuff but Mm -hmm. i i sure i sure didn't know anybody who was transgender or trans you know gender non-conforming there wasn't that language back then yeah uh, agreed you know that that you still use the the offensive antiquated term of transvestite right um, yeah people didn't even talk in terms of gender they were talking in terms of behavior and and um, anatomical sex still yeah and it was i can't remember and i think it was sometime in the 90s i'd have to look up the information don't quote me on this is that when like i know that it was earlier when like gay and lesbian stuff was removed from the psychological dsv the the one where they say that that's a um i think it's the dsm it's the dsm like, that's the yeah. one i took two psychology classes <laughs> i think you're thinking of the D- dsm v like i think you're thinking of the fifth one I know that, you know, homosexuality used to be a um, mental illness. Right. Uh, tra- being transgender or thinking, you know, that you're not, you know, having thoughts of not being assigned to your, you know, gender at birth was also considered a mental illness. And it still is considered a mental illnesses. Mental in, illness in many places, in yeah. some places. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, society sucks. It is what it is. Um, yeah. It's getting progressively better, though. And like you yeah. said, like the fact that kids are so forward thinking in a lot of ways, like gives me hope. Yes, it does. It gives me hope, too. And and this is something that I, I've been, you know, sort of fostering and advocating not only for myself as a non, non-binary person, but for, for my kids, you know, to, you know, build up the systems and support systems for them so that they have a slightly easier time in the world than I I have had and yeah. am having is that um, particularly with like my school BCIT I, who I love mm-hmm. most of the time <laughs> is that there's something that um, I'm part of the pride committee at BCIT because I used to run the the bcit lgbt etc club i'm not currently running it because i'm not currently a student and a student you have to be a student but i'm still in the pride committee as an alum um and they've been trying to advocate for more gender neutral bathrooms at bcit because there is not a whole lot of them um and there are like a lot of other post-secondaries have worked on changing their facilities so that there are gender neutral washrooms gender neutral change rooms and you know gender neutral spaces so that people can feel safe regardless mm-hmm. of how they present um and it mm-hmm. is it is like with any post-secondary that's been around a long while bcit just not that terribly long ago celebrated their 50th 
birthday anniversary right. of being a school. So they've been around a while. Uh, some of their buildings are old. Um, some of them have been there since the very beginning. Um, and and trying and I know this as an interior designer is that trying to change physical spaces to accommodate today's you know building codes and standards and and accessibility and gender neutral washrooms and all that stuff can be challenging but it's also like i spend the majority of my build of my time in one building it's ne01 it's one of the oldest buildings on campus it has no gender neutral washroom in the entire building that is accessible to students mm-hmm. that's brutal the closest one is in an adjacent building of NE09, which is between a five to ten minute walk, one way. So like, yeah, that's uh, that can be difficult if you're trying to do it between classes. Yeah, yeah, and we get breaks in our classes. Don't get me wrong; we are allowed to, like we have a lunch, like lunch or dinner break, sure. uh, and sometimes we also have like quick bathroom breaks and stuff. But it's like okay, you got fifteen minutes to go grab a coffee and go pee. Okay, it's going to take me ten minutes to walk to a gender neutral bathroom. Right. And take 10 minutes to walk back. Never mind using the bathroom in that, too. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know. It, it, okay. <laughs> or it, even if it's like I have an hour for, for like our lunch dinner break, it's still okay. Do I have time to go to the bathroom if I want to use a gender neutral bathroom? Mm hmm. Um,. So it is it, something I've been advocating and fighting for for three years. Sure. And it's it's not even like a lot of like, like it's especially difficult. Like a lot of places do have, you know, at least one they should have an accessibility stall or like, uh, you know, as a single use, a single stall, a single occupant bathroom. Yeah. they In theory, should. In theory. Like, like all the bathrooms are accessible. The accessibility design. Oh, that's wonderful. That's really good. The, the design makes is could be improved on, but that's sure. another subject. Um, but there isn't like there isn't a individual single stall bathroom that could be like gender neutral. Mm, yeah. um, that is accessible to students, as far as I know, in the building. There are like I'm in pretty good terms with a lot of the staff because I'm I'm a personal person. I like chatting with people, <laughs> and yep. I've you know I figured. <clears throat> being personable with my instructors could help me once I'm done graduated because they work in the industry. Yeah, totally. So having good, good rapport with my instructors, I think might will eventually will help me down the road, um, possibly get a job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they have said in the past is like, you know, they may, and they have also pointed out is that they have a, you know, staff washroom that is, you know, it's gender neutral because it's, it's a one washroom in the staff area right. and they're like well you and and other people and people when i made it at this point was well you could ask access that washroom i'm like okay i have to then go to my instructor in my class and say hey can you take me to the staff room yeah, and let me into the staff room to use it's the washroom. not a great solution and that is only when like during class I, ca- I can't just go to the staff room i could and knock on the door and say hey i need to pee <laughs> Yep. Yeah, but again, it's not something that's available twenty four seven. Right, and like most of these organizations are big enough that they could just pay for a single stall washroom that gets changed, um, you know, every month or whatever. Um, Like one of those super saver toilets kind of deal, and then like pay them to maintain it every month or whatever. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So like it's I mean, there there are solutions that are pretty much instantaneous that they could do, and this um, is, but they don't. Sorry. Yeah, they don't. This is something that we, you know, the Pride Committee and other people um, at BCIT have been advocating against uh, for is mm-hmm. that. Uh, even if like it was something as simple as because all the signage is gendered for mm-hmm. the bathrooms yeah even if the signage was changed to like this is you know a washroom that has urinals this is a washroom that doesn't have urinals or right. all genders accepted in this washroom yeah that that just changing the signs would be way more include that would be inclusive that would make him inclusive that would mean that, like i'm standing outside the men's and the women's and go which one do i flip a coin to where i get side eye right. today yeah exactly where would i like I, to I... and and typically the like where would i like to be harassed from what i understand tends to be women's washroom preferred mm-hmm. just because the behaviors tend to be less toxic and violent yeah or perhaps just as toxic but less violent i'm not sure I, I thankfully knock on wood i've never been harassed in a bathroom amazing for going into the bathroom either of them um i have definitely gotten some side eye of the are you sure you're supposed to be in here and this was before i've had you know surgery and stuff i am way more transmasculine presenting than i was a year ago yeah i was actually pretty surprised that just with like nails and lips done I uh, I was walking into a washroom and I had intended to go into the men's and it was one of those like swimming pool style like brick mm-hmm. corridors that's just open mm-hmm. and I sort of got halfway in and a high femme person walked past me out and I was like wait where am I again I turned <laughs> around and went and looked at the sign and went yep I'm definitely in the wrong but like nobody even gave me side eye I was I was really impressed yeah and and there are, there are some amazing and, and BCIT I will say to their benefit has committed to that any new buildings that are being will be or are being built on site currently and are being planned to be built will have all gender neutral bathrooms. I applaud awesome. them for that. But yeah, that's awesome. There is still a significant amount of existing buildings that do not have them. And if there's like, even if it was changing the signage, that would be way more inclusive. And I, I understand how difficult it, it can be to add a washroom to an existing, especially older sure. building. Sure. But you can put one outside. Yeah. It is not an ideal solution. I agree. <laughs> it, it, it could be a short term solution. It could be an option, but it's not an ideal solution yeah. because um, often bathrooms like that that are like brought on site like that aren't accessible yep i totally agree and as as somebody who has also been struggling with mobility issues and is mm-hmm. actually on a referral i'm waiting for a referral to an occupy occupational therapist for a mm-hmm. mobility device likely a wheelchair at least part-time yeah this is something i also think about right well and this is this is the thing too is like having an accessible gender neutral space like that's hard to find in society right now yeah there is there's some good there is good design out there and there is good ways to do it there are a couple of bathrooms at bcit that were recently renovated that are amazing they are single stall accessible gender neutral bathrooms sweet and and they they have the like they have the 
door pad where it's like you go to push the button and the door opens, but like you push it open, the door opens, and the inside there's another push button that closes the door and another big push button that locks the door and it changes color to green is open, red is closed, yeah, <laughs> and locked. And then you know like they have the you know, proper toilet and the grab bars and everything, and then the sink is. And I've seen this design before and I think it's amazing. The sink is a the faucet, the soap dispenser, and the hand dryer all in one combined big sink unit. Amazing. Yeah, and it's all like accessible height and you know clearances and everything, and it's you know, great. Yeah, it is a really well designed bathroom, and that's the way to do it. And um, was it yeah, SFU that recently redid their, or was it UBC? I can always get. I know it was UBC. UBC recently did redid their aquatic center and won several awards on the design, including on their accessibility gender neutral design. Because Sweet. their change room their change rooms right. is one hundred percent gender neutral. Awesome. And you just go in and it's like and it's I I, I was going I was planning because they had just completed it and we were just about then they had just opened it last year, right before the pandemic. And I mm-hmm. was still in school at that point and I didn't have a whole lot of free time. <laughs> And I'm like, I want to go out and see it. I want to go and see it because, like, this is like I've seen like the digital rendering and pictures and right. stuff, and I and it looks amazing. But I wanted to physically go to the space and and walk sure. through it and check it out. But you know, I was still in school, and then COVID happened, and right. cancer diagnosis happened. And You'll so, get yeah, there. I haven't been had a chance to physically go to the space yet because it wasn't open for a while there because all like public pools and stuff were shut down. I'm not sure if they're still shut down. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, they're starting to run them again. Um, Shoot. You know, it's going to be tied into vaccination, which I don't think is even happening for most folks until July. Most folks. uh, For for most folks. Yeah. For me. I have to call the number, but for me, I'm so excited. I'm terrified and excited at the same time. No, that's awesome. You're going to be getting vaccinated. That's so cool. Yeah, Good for you. I am going to be getting vaccinated. I, I don't have a date yet. I still have to make an appointment and everything and all that stuff. But because we're now officially in phase two of vaccinations, which means anybody over the age, I think it's like 80 or 90 can vaccinated or anybody who's immunocompromised. Yeah. Which like people I'm a cancer really patient. need it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I asked my doctor about it the last time we chatted. It's like, should I, would I, could I get the vaccination? She's like, yes. Yes. I would also say yes. <laughs> I'm like, good. I don't know when the rest of my family will get it, but I can get it. And that is yeah, definitely Very significant. Re- reassuring, especially that I saw a brief headline. I wish I read the article uh, further about Do- Dr. Bonnie Henry making it hint a very brief hint at that we might, might, very, very broad hint of might see a post-COVID world by summer. And I'm like, those right. are the best words I've heard in a year. Right. <sighs> the, the slightly, slightly selfish part of me is like, I'll still be doing chemo. I won't be able to go outside. <laughs> oh, that sucks. No, Everybody... that's not that's not selfish. That's a very reasonable concern to have. I definitely think you should. People uh... will be allowed to gather, gather and be able to go back to parties and stuff right. like that. And I probably won't. Yeah, that's fair. It's not worth the risk at this point, probably. No. That sucks. It does. I, I'm very hopeful that I really hope that 
you know by by the start of summer even by the end of summer that that we could see turning the corner and be putting this behind us because it has been a heck of a year and i'm not just yeah. saying that personally it has been a heck of a year for me personally but i'm saying that for for Most bc people, yeah. for canada yeah. for the world yeah yeah and half a million people dead in the united states that's I, incredible I, that's like world I war ii numbers yeah it is the highest um pandemic deaths ever <laughs> yeah i would believe that i mean, we also have more people on the planet now but i would definitely yes. believe that I mean, if statistically speaking, I um, you know, like if you were, I'd have to run the numbers, but statistically speaking, like the, for the Spanish flu, which was the one that they often co compare COVID to, for like, because it happened roughly the same. It's, I mean, it's it's definitely a it's a bad comparison. The flu it pandemic of nineteen, but because it was the flu, the flu pandemic of nineteen eighteen is is not like there's just like there's I can't think of what's similar about them. Well, other why, than why, it's like almost 100 years ago and that there was a it was a pandemic and there was a significant like deaths and stuff like that and but you know science right. and stuff this has also evolved and changed and stuff and and right right it was like 50 million people for the flu pandemic of 1918 which is a tenth of the people that have died just in the united states yeah. curious now now you've got me thinking what the world population in 1918 was so it was about 1.8 billion mm -hmm. so we have about seven what, like I think three and a half billion? yeah so we probably have like three and a half to four times the number of people mm -hmm. and we're having you know 10 times the number of casualties mm -hmm. so despite all the science that we've developed all of the strategies that we had like there's mm -hmm. a lot of ways that we uh yeah we didn't uh we didn't do super well we didn't do super well this time no and 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 is it makes me really sad and angry that that many people have died because of COVID and complications yeah. of COVID. But the other thing that people aren't talking about much and the people are starting to talk about it is the people who have, have had it and survived and what their long-term being disabled. Is. Yeah. The long haulers. There's, there's a whole conversation about that, but rates yeah. look like they're about the same as deaths. So it's a little higher actually the rates of long hauler are like in the five percent range but like yeah it's people aren't aren't fully appreciating what it would be like to be disabled the rest of your life because of covid and we no. also still don't understand like what treatment options might look like for people yep. to be less disabled if yeah. that's even possible which it might be but we don't know we don't so know the hope there's just, is yeah there's that just we'll so have better therapies there's still so much unknown because it is still you know, it's only been officially today a year you know the, right since since saw, it was here in canada yeah, yeah. well like because i saw um the head of the bc ndp john horgan tw uh, tweet today that the world health organization today a year ago announced officially that it's a global pandemic yes that we were talking about it previously yes it had been cropping up in other places and other people were in you know, other places in the world were struggling with it well before that it was officially declared a pandemic but right yes yes um today is officially a year i mean it's been a little bit more than a year i would say a probably about january is when things were really starting to get like serious yeah but the who declared it a pandemic on march 11th that's right yeah which is the day today yep it is so <laughs> well without getting too far into the weeds with covid yeah. um yeah. i feel like we've talked a lot about 
gender stuff and we've talked a lot about well a little bit about accessibility yeah um but uh let's wrap this one up here yeah i yeah <laughs> i would love to chat with you again as another time about like accessibility stuff and and a little mm-hmm. bit about covid stuff too because i think that is a, another uh, some other really great um subjects to discuss yeah totally all right well thank you so much for your presence and the conversation today it was much appreciated always always great chatting with you it's good chatting with you too sapphire yeah are you still you're still going to sapphire yes i am cool i am i there there have been moments um that i've considered possibly changing my name i've Mm -hmm. been sapphire going by sapphire for 13 years now wow uh, I have yet to get around to legally changing my name because it's expensive. Yep. I, I was planning to do it in 2020, and then 2020 happened. Yep. Um, and I'm still planning on legally changing my name. Uh, but and they're like when I came out non-binary, I was concerned that Sapphire was too feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, until my kids pointed out, thanks to Steven Universe, that gems mm-hmm. do not have gender. Yep. And even though Sapphire is femme some of the time, she wears a tux to her wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's not so, always femme, even though she's yeah. usually femme. Yeah. And when I came to the realization, especially after my surgery, and I looked in, like, it's been four months. Yesterday was four months post-op. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look in the mirror, and yeah, I see the scars and, and stuff. But I look at my body, and I'm so... I feel so comfortable. I feel like this is the way I'm supposed to be. And this is like, I like how the fact I'm looking more masculine. I like how my, like, I, because of, ke- because of chemo, I'm now officially in menopause. Wow. And I, I have a little bit of face fur. It's sure. very, it's very faint, but it's there. Interesting. You know, um, and you know, I'm looking a little bit more masculine and I like the way I look. And then, and then I, you know, I, I had a, brief thought of like i don't really want to be a guy i still want to be a non-binary person i still want to be mm-hmm. a they i just want to be slightly more masculine they mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i thought about like do i want to change my name i really like my name i really like being sapphire you know it's something that is you know i chose and that i feel like it suits me and that i've been that for a long time and you know and i'm like i don't even know what i would call myself mm-hmm <laughs> yeah that the whole prospect of changing your name is like what does this mean like how do i (laughs) how do i even you know yeah have you ever considered changing your name oh geez uh no i don't think so i was named after a great uncle who died and i would feel weird about changing my name i've also it's not like a typical dude name that you hear a lot so no but it is a masculine name for sure it's not yes it's not as genderless as I would like. I don't know. That's a really good question. Yes. I've definitely thought about it. I guess I feel like a lot of time and effort went into figuring out my name for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, being mixed race, I have a mixed name. Yeah. And yeah, there's just a lot of thought that went into it. And I'm kind of happy with how it reflects things. Like if I had to pick a new name, I would also want to pick a new, um, you know, Tamil name as well. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. happy enough with it. 
Yeah. You know? It definitely, like, because three out of my four kids do not go by their birth names. Right. <laughs> Apparently, I can't pick names. Because <laughs> <laughs> I picked all their names, pretty much. Right. Um, but, you know, you know, Amber is the only one who still goes by their birth name. Right. Um, Dante changed his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what I named him. <laughs> sure. Which is fine. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Ashton changed his name because, well, he transitioned. Uh, we right. have all the paperwork filled out. We just have to go get him his fingerprints done. And there's not a few, not many places you can go anymore. And you have to book an appointment because of COVID. Right. You can't just go and walk in someplace and get your fingerprints done anymore. Right. And then, you know, Gray chose his their name because they wanted something a little more gender neutral. But is planning to add gray to their legal names because they don't want to lose any of their legal names because their legal first name is they were named after their grandfather so their bio dad's father who passed away in 2010 um and he Mm -hmm. was (sighs) he's such a lovely man So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimatevictor. You can tweet me at intimatevictor. You can follow me on Instagram at intimatevictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well.